This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me on today's program in segments two and three will be Mr. Murray Gunn. Murray is an analyst with Elliott Wave International. I'll get his take on the conditions in Europe. I caught up with him uh, about a week ago from his offices near London. And uh, I'll get his forecast for stocks, bonds, currencies, and commodities. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. It is the month of October. That means I have a special report for you. The October special report is titled Anatomy of a Recession, Strategies for the Current Economy. I'd be glad to send you a copy along with bonus information, including two of my best-selling books. Uh, you'll receive the Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization. You'll also receive the Revenue Sourcing Book that contains strategies for the current economy, along with the October Special Report. Go to requestyourreport.com and just let us know where to mail all that information. We'll be glad to do so. Again, this month's Special Report, Anatomy of a Recession, Strategies for the Current Economy. That's yours by visiting requestyourreport.com and letting me know where you would like me to mail that report to you. So we have the current situation in the economy, and that's my topic for this segment. The current situation in the economy, in my view, is that we are in a recession. Now, the Federal Reserve, the central bank of the United States, has been increasing interest rates and to listen to them, it's pretty clear that they're going to continue to do that. Now, at their last meeting, the central bank raised interest rates to three and a quarter percent. And the goal, of course, stated by the Fed is to get the inflation rate back to the bank's long-term target of 2% annual inflation. So these moves to three and a quarter percent, another move perhaps coming. The question is, will they get the job done? Certainly, if you've been to the gas pump, certainly if you've been to the grocery store, it seems that inflation is still raging. It seems that it hasn't made a difference. And my take is this. These moves by the Fed are more form than they are substance. I believe they will not accomplish the objective of getting inflation back to the stated 2% target. I'll talk more about that in a moment. What I think these interest rate hikes will do, however, and I think we're now seeing it in the economy, is I think these interest rate hikes will likely catalyze a deeper recession. Now, I think this recession was inevitable. If you've been a longtime listener to the program, you know that I have talked in the past about the very high debt levels that exist in the private sector and in the public sector. In fact, we hit a milestone this past week when U.S. government debt officially exceeded $31 trillion for the very first time. Now, as many of you know, if you've been a longtime listener to the program, I like to study history and identify situations that have existed previously when economic conditions look a lot like they do today. And from that study of history, I've reached the conclusion that when debt levels reach a point that they are unsustainable, and I would say we are in that situation today, deflation and recession at that point become unavoidable. 
Now, if you've been listening to the program since the beginning of the year, and here we are now halfway through October, since the beginning of the year, I've made the case that we are in a recession. The first two quarters of 2022 saw economic contraction. That meets the textbook definition of a recession. I would expect the third quarter will also report anemic data at best. So the big question, if you're thinking about retiring, if you want to have a secure, stress-free retirement in what is shaping up to be a very difficult environment, the questions are, where do we go from here, economically speaking, and what should you be doing? Well, let me share with you a bit of a perspective and a bit of an opinion here. It's my view that we will continue down this stagflationary path on which we now find ourselves. Now, what is stagflation? Stagflation is defined as inflation coupled with economic contraction or recession. Now, let me get back to talk about why the Fed's actions to date, I believe, are unlikely to tame the inflation monster. Simply put, to get inflation under control, interest rates need to be positive on a real basis. In other words, interest rates need to be higher than the inflation rate. If the inflation rate is higher than the interest rate, you are incentivizing spending. In other words, since saving money will result in savings losing purchasing power, it makes more sense to spend the money than it does to save it. Now, let me share with you an example using current conditions. Now, Yahoo Finance recently reported that the benchmark U.S. 10-year yield was around 4%. It got as high as 4.015%. When this article was published, it was 3.945%. So let's just say that we have the 10-year yield at about 4%. So if you go buy a 10-year U.S. Treasury note, you'll get about a 4% return. Now that's up significantly, and the bond prices, as many of you know, are down significantly since the first of the year. But getting back to the example, if you go invest in a 10-year U.S. Treasury note, you'll get an annual yield of about 4%, yet the official inflation rate is over 8%. Now, we could talk about the fact that the official inflation rate is actually a manipulated number. I would argue a heavily manipulated number. But let's just take these numbers. We have a yield on the 10-year note of 4%. The official inflation rate's over 8%. So let's just do some rough back-of-the-napkin math. And when we do that, we find that we lose about 4% annually in purchasing power by investing in a 10-year U.S. Treasury note. Now, if we turn the clock back to 1980, then Federal Reserve Chair Paul Volcker was dealing with a similar situation. Mr. Volcker increased interest rates to nearly 20%. Inflation was brought under control as a result because real interest rates were positive. 
Now, if you go back and take a look at the way the inflation rate was calculated pre-1980, which economist John Williams of the website ShadowStats does, you can visit shadowstats.com to check out his excellent work. Mr. Williams says if we calculate the inflation rate now the way they did pre-1980, the inflation rate would be between 16 and 17 percent. That would tell us that we really need to raise interest rates to about the level Mr. Volcker did again if we want to get inflation under control. Now, if we go back to the numbers that existed in 1980, the Fed funds rate was 18%. The 10-year note paid 12.5%. There was a 5.5% real positive interest rate. Now, until we get real positive interest rates, it's my view that inflation will not get under control. And that's why I believe we'll have inflation in consumer prices for longer than a lot of analysts out there who are pontificating about how long inflation will last. I think it's going to last longer than many of them are predicting. So when you take a look at where the Fed is right now, I believe the Fed is powerless to get this inflation rate back to 2%. Given the debt levels that exist in the economy, which we've discussed already in this segment, they are at extreme levels. If we were to see the Fed increase interest rates to the magnitude that they would need to to get inflation under control, it would literally bankrupt the economy and the U.S. government. Now, briefly, in the time I have left, I mentioned at the top of this segment that U.S. government debt is officially at $31 trillion. Now, at a 4% interest rate, the cost to service the interest on the debt is about $1.2 trillion. However, if the interest rate were to go to 17%, the cost to service the debt would be $5.2 trillion annually, and that's more than total U.S. tax revenues. That alone, I believe, is the reason the Fed can't raise interest rates to a level that would get inflation back to the 2% target. Now, ironically, the Fed's sudden resolve to control inflation by increasing interest rates is slowing the economy. And there is no dispute that the first two quarters of 2022 has seen economic contraction. Now, if you would like more information, if you would like some ideas as to what you might do with your money, I'd like to invite you to get our October special report. But it's really more than a special report. It is an entire information package. You'll get the report titled Anatomy of a Recession Strategies for the Current Economy. You'll get two of my best-selling books. You'll get two recent client-only newsletters. It's all free. Visit the website requestyourreport.com and let me know where to mail this information. I'll be glad to do so at no cost to you and with no future obligation. The website, again, requestyourreport.com. I'll be back after these words. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me on today's program, once again, is returning guest, Murray Gunn. Uh, Murray is a market analyst for Elliott Wave International. 
You can learn more about Elliott Wave at their website, elliottwave.com, and there is a free book resource available there as well. I would encourage you to check out. And Murray, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Dennis. Pleasure to be here. So, Murray, as we are speaking, um, I am on the west side of the Atlantic. You're on the east side of the Atlantic. And uh, there was some excitement in uh, the U.K. here over the past couple of weeks. The Bank of England came in and uh, pretty much shored up the, the, the gilt market, or for U.S. listeners that might not be familiar with that term, the, the long-term bond market. Uh, can you fill us in a bit as to what happened? Sure. Well, um, you know, the bonds, global bonds have been in a bear market since really 2020. And when, you know, uh, Elliott Wave International, we were we were warning our subscribers since 2020 that uh, a bond bear market was coming. And um, yeah, so yields have been rising uh, in, in global bond markets um, since then. And uh, it's obviously been accelerating uh, this year. I mean, this year has been probably the most historic bond bear market in terms of price. When when yields go up, price goes down um, in history. And so, you know, what happened in the UK was just uh, an acceleration of that uh, of that trend. You know, the conventional analysts have uh, blamed it on the fact that uh, the UK government decided to announce a policy of uh, unfunded uh, tax cuts. But uh, as usual with the the conventional way of looking at things, people try to to put a rationalisation as to why things happen. Um, you know, you can look at the the, the movement of the ten year bond gilt here, um, and the yield you know did accelerate higher uh, over those few days. But the fact of the matter is that um, it was already moving in that direction anyway, and from a um, from our analysis point of view, from the price pattern recognition point of view, um, it was just part of that trend. Um, but it caused a bit of a panic uh, over here. Uh, it certainly, you know, got got the headlines, um, which is well, can maybe come on to that in a minute about the sentiment. But uh, yeah, it caused a, a panic, caused the the Bank of England to uh, step in and buy uh, long dated bonds. Um, in, a, in an intervention, um, because if they hadn't, then a, a lot of uh, pension funds in the UK would have had trouble uh, meeting uh, margin calls on some of their uh, leverage investments that they had been structuring uh, at the what we call the long end of the gilt market. So, Murray, it, it strikes me, and thank you for that explanation, but it just strikes me that uh, you know, the very fact that pension funds are using leverage or, or borrowing money to invest strikes me as really a, a symptom of how artificial these markets seem to have gotten, in my view. What's your perspective? I, I think that's very true. I mean, the, the government uh, rules and regulations, have, as usual, have unintended consequences, much like what happened in the U.S., uh, with the housing uh, boom uh, back in the late 90s and into the mid noughties that it was government policy that kind of encouraged um, that sort of uh, lending to be done in, in the housing market. Government policy uh, here uh, for pension funds has 
made it easier for um, the derivative industry to 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 uh, structure um, and what we call synthesize investments into uh, long end um, or the long long end of the guilt market and and for pension funds in order for them to to meet their obligations. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what is interesting is that uh, you know as markets move, as things develop, as with every derivative, I mean, Warren Buffett famously called um, derivatives weapons of mass destruction, and he also. He also said that uh, famously that when the tide goes out, you can see who's been swimming naked. And so, with a lot of <laughs> these uh, pension funds, their leverage was was kind of hidden um, until we got this big volatility in bonds this year. And um, so that's what's exposed uh, some of these pension funds to the fact that they were um, swimming without any um, underwear on. <laughs> Um, and a fitting analogy, I might say. Uh, so, so Murray, I mean, this this, this just happened in the UK. Uh, this this problem, though, shouldn't is probably not going to be confined to the UK. Don't don't you think that we're going to see this again? Um, uh, the Bank of England will probably intervene, but but won't, won't other central banks around the world be faced with the same scenario? Well, I think with regard to the. Um, specific investments and derivative investments uh, that were being used at the long end of the, the UK bond market. They're, they're kind of specific to the UK. Um, there's not the same extent that goes on in uh, other uh, markets, other developed markets like the US. Um, there's not really that uh, problem there. But um, in general, yes, your point is is correct. I mean, the more, the more volatility we have, um, and we still, we're still, you know, even with what's going on this year, we're still at relatively, we're not at extreme levels of volatility. So there's, there, there's um, still scope for more volatility in bonds, more volatility in equities. And when we have fast moves in the market, and it's not the kind of, with derivatives like this and and um, and being exposed to margin uh, requirements, it's not particularly the the direction of the move, it's more the speed of the move that takes place. So um, if we get fast moves in bonds again and fast moves in equities, uh, which we haven't really seen uh, this year so far, then it, it will expose um, you know, pension funds, investment funds and others uh, as to you know, anyone who's been leveraged. Well, if you're just joining me, I am chatting today with Mr. Murray Gunn. He is an analyst with Elliott Wave International. You can learn more about Elliott Wave at ElliottWave.com, and there is a free book resource you can take advantage of there as well. Uh, Murray, just shifting gears a bit, uh, here in the U.S., uh, the number one economic concern, according to recent polls here, is inflation. Um, the, the Fed here has been talking tough. Um, that they're going to continue to raise rates until inflation um, is subdued. They, they get it under control. Uh, give us an update on the inflation situation in Europe. Well, um, you know, there, there's uh, if you want to see uh, an historic uh, chart, uh, which will uh, make your eyes pop out, I would suggest looking at a chart of the um, 
consumer price inflation uh, rate for uh, Germany, uh, which has just gone into double digits uh, on an annualised basis at uh, over 10%. And uh, that's the highest rate, um, certainly since the end of the, the, the Second World War. Um, and the, the chart is pretty pretty vertical. So there's you know a big there has been a big issue with um, consumer prices going higher uh, here in Europe. A lot of it is to do with uh, the cost of energy. Obviously, uh, natural gas prices over here are, are continue to be very very high, uh, you know, through the roof. And um, you know, people are are blaming that on uh, issues with regard to the war in Ukraine. Um, and uh, you know, geopolitics with with Russia, um, but there's the basic fact remains uh, that you know Europe, European central banks, um, and you know in, in in concert with other central banks around the world, maybe not to the, as much as the extent as the US, but in the last number of years they've been engaged in uh, basically. The, the, the proper definition of inflation, which is monetary inflation. Um, people think that we've become used to, to calling inflation uh, or defining inflation by consumer prices, but actual inflation is what is, a, is an increase of the, the money supply and, um, and specifically credit and debt in an economy. And that's been rampant in, in Europe and uh, in especially in the US uh, over the last few years. So the fact that we're getting this consumer price inflation problem now uh, really shouldn't be a surprise to uh, to anyone, really, especially the central banks. So, Marie, in the time we have left, uh, the, the action that central banks are taking, uh, I guess in my view, seems to be, uh, to, to use an old analogy, a lot more bark than it is bite. They're talking tough, but... It seems like they're probably not doing enough to get inflation under control, in my view. Uh, and I think uh, the debt levels or dictate that they probably can't. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? I think that's, uh, that's a very fair point. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a real uh, balance here. I think the, the, the central banks... Are, would be quite happy to see the market do its work, you know, for it. Um, you know, long-end yields going up, stock markets uh, coming down, the economy slowing. I mean, we just had uh, employment uh, data today uh, as we're speaking um, uh, on this Friday, and um, it showed a, a, a drop in the unemployment rate in, in the U.S. and um, that's something the Fed will not really particularly want to see. I mean, the, the, the Fed would, will want to see a, a weakening labour market um, because that will be associated, that has been associated historically with consumer price inflation uh, dropping. Well, we're going to leave it there. The clock says we are out of time for this segment, but I will return after these words with my special guest, Mr. Murray Gunn. I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio. I have the pleasure of chatting once again today with Mr. Murray Gunn. Murray is an analyst with Elliott Wave International. Um, I certainly encourage you to check out their website at elliottwave.com. There is a free book resource available there as well. I would encourage you to take advantage of. Uh, and, and Murray, in the last segment, we were talking a bit um, about 
um, the bond market. And you use the term sentiment. And, and I think a lot of investors and a lot of uh, folks saving for retirement uh, maybe aren't even familiar with that term. But can you talk a little bit about Elliott Wave's work and the role that sentiment plays in your forecasting? Well, sure. Um, you know, the, the Elliott Wave principle is a is a frank, what we call a fractal-based model of the economy uh, discovered by a man called uh, Ralph Elliott in the 1930s. And um, he discovered that human herding behavior causes markets like the stock market, which is a leading indicator of the economy, to really exhibit certain um, identifiable and repeatable patterns um, throughout time. And, and these patterns, he, he discovered that they repeat at every time scale. And uh, so really the principle enables cycles of herding behavior to be anticipated from the very uh, short term to the very uh, long term. So it's, it's people that, uh, it's human beings that drive markets full stop at, at, at every time scale. And so that's why we as uh, Elliott Wave principal practitioners and what we call technical analysts, um, we don't study the economy um, to think that the economy is going to lead the stock market. We study human behavior because that's the driver of um, the stock market and, and that, that is sentiment. So, Murray, let's talk a bit about your specific forecasts. Um, you uh, analyze, I think, European markets. Uh, but can we talk about your forecast for stocks in general? Uh, year to date, uh, here the, in the U.S., uh, the major stock market indices are down between 20 and 25 percent, depending on what day it happens to be. Uh, where do you see stocks moving from here? Well, um, Continued uh, downtrend, really. Uh, when we last spoke in, in June, um, I think it was, I reiterated that uh, our view that the, the bounce in the global stock markets from the 2020 pandemic lows was the um, the final rally in a, in a multi-decade bull market. Um, and that 2021 in particular, based on our cycle analysis, uh, could have marked an historic um juncture in the in the topping process and it certainly seems to be coming bearing out that way um, and especially with the bear market in, in bonds uh, of course because the the rise um, the rise in yields in the bonds that's what we call the risk-free rate that feeds counter directly into uh, equity market valuations but it's really the fact that social mood is turning what we call social mood which is uh, we mentioned sentiment earlier on. You can think of social mood as kind of long-term sentiment, but we might talk a bit more of that in a minute. Um, it's really because social mood has been drive has been turning negative, and so yes, um, you know we've been been bearish for a while and continue to be bearish. There's nothing in our um, pattern recognition analysis that tells us that there's there's uh, uh, an end to this uh, downtrend anytime soon. Uh, so yes, we, we continue to be bearish, and another, you know, ten twenty percent over the next few months wouldn't surprise us. 
Let's talk a little bit more about social mood. I know uh, Elliot Wave has, uh, to my uh, recollection anyway, really invented a science called socionomics. And um, it'd be interesting, I think, for our listeners if you chatted a bit about that. Sure. So um, Robert Prechter's uh, socionomic theory uh, stems really from, from hard evidence that it's the trend in social mood that determines social actions, not the other way around, as most people think. Um, I mean, most people think that if something negative happens, uh, then the mood of society then turns negative. But the, the socioeconomic studies, and historical studies, suggest that it's the negative mood trend comes first before the negative action. Uh, and of course, vice versa for positive action. So, um, for example, conventional thought would be that um, recessions cause business people to be cautious, whereas the socioeconomic way of looking thing, uh, looking at that would be that to say that it's cautious business people who cause recessions. So, um, because social mood is the driver of everything, it tends to show up first in the stock market. Uh, because that's where people can action uh, very quickly. And so the trends in, in stock markets uh, can anticipate social actions. Uh, and also social actions can help us anticipate where we are in the uh, stock market cycle. And I think I mentioned the last time, and a clear example of this was what happened in uh, in Russia uh, at the start of this year. I mean, the Russian stock market topped out in 2007, and had been in a, in a bear market since then. Um, so negative mood in Russia, a negative mood trend in Russia had been in place since 2007. And uh, at the end of um, at last year, the start of this year, you know, well before um, Putin went into Ukraine, uh, we suggested to our subscribers, based on the pattern recognition and the socioeconomic analysis, that it was very probable that uh, Putin would actually have this negative social action of going into Ukraine, uh, where, whereas a lot of people were still, um, you know, judging whether that would happen or not. And it's obviously uh, another another good example, Dennis, uh, is just what's happened in, in, in Italy uh, this year, uh, just recently, um, with the election of the first uh, far-right government since Mussolini. So the Italian stock markets... Uh, topped out in 2000, that's you know, 22 years ago, and it's still less than half the value it was back then. So there's been an obvious negative social mood in Italy uh, for two decades. And so it's unsurprising to socioeconomists uh, like ourselves that Italian politics has lurched uh, to the right. So, Murray, where do you see bond markets going from here? Is there more downside in this bond bear market that, as you mentioned in the first segment, has really been historic? We think so, yes. Certainly our pattern recognition analysis suggests that uh, yields can continue to move higher. The one really interesting aspect, Dennis, um, this year has been uh, the fact that corporate Corporate bonds have held in relatively well, um, 
and we think that could be the next shoe to drop in in the bond bear market. I mean, yields in corporate bonds have risen uh, along with bonds in, with bond yields in general, but they've not seen the level of underperformance uh, that has historically been seen as the world has moved into uh, recession. One reason for that could be that you know, corporate borrowers took advantage of the basically free money uh, that was on offer in 2020 uh, to just kind of uh, term out what they call term out or lock in their borrowing uh, for a few years. But um, but now that that's starting to be needing to be rolled over that debt. And so next year, many corporates, I think, will find it very difficult to uh, finance their operations as they roll over that debt. And of course, that will uh, increase credit downgrades and defaults. So, Murray, in the time we have left, I'd like to chat, if we could, a little bit about currencies. Uh, the U.S. dollar has been strong relative to its trading partners. I always like to remind people that a strong U.S. dollar index doesn't mean the dollar is gaining in purchasing power on an absolute basis, but relative to other currencies, it's strong. Do you see the strong dollar trend continuing? Well, yes. I mean, it's interesting. It, it, in 19, uh, I think it was 1971, uh, the Treasury Secretary in the U.S., John Connolly, said uh, to his global peers that the dollar was our currency, but your problem. Uh, and that attitude seems to be prevailing uh, today, I think, with the relentless uh, appreciation of the U.S. dollar. Uh, and it's obviously adding to problems in emerging markets, making their external debt more more burdensome. And in developed economies where, where import prices are rising, um, in fact, just today, the German uh, import prices were start were rising at their fastest pace in, in 50 years. Um, so the strong dollar is a problem. Uh, some people have suggested, uh, you know, we could get something like the Plaza Accord, which came in 1985 to, to weaken the dollar. Um, uh, but we think that because social media is turning negative now, whereas it was broadly positive back in the mid-80s, that's kind of un, uh, unlikely. Um, but our pattern recognition analysis suggests that the dollar uh, could actually be close to a significant uh, turning point. Um, it looks like we're still in for a little more appreciation, um, but that should be the last wave in the dollar's appreciation trend with uh, 2023 looking more like a period of uh, potential dollar depreciation. Uh, and quickly in the time we have left, uh, Murray, uh, any any uh, comment on commodities? Uh, oil prices have been all over the place. Uh, recent announced by, announcement by OPEC to cut production. Uh, oil and other commodities. What's your what's your forecast? Well, um, at, at the start of uh, start of this year, our analysis was suggesting a top in in um, in commodities. Uh, at least an interim top was was very possible um, around the level of uh, I think it was three three one on the Commodities Research Bureau index, the CRB index, and uh, we alerted our subscribers to that. Um, that forecast was made purely on the basis of price pattern recognition and ratio analysis, which is uh, what we do. And uh, it was actually in June that the CRB topped out um, pretty close to that level. I think it was 3.29. And it's down about 15% uh, since then. So in the, in the, in the medium term and in the, in the next uh, uh, period, our outlook for crude oil uh, is um, currently bearish, uh, looking for another decline towards 
around about sixty dollars uh, a barrel range. But after that, it should start uh, based on our um, analysis. It should start another uh, advance, which should take it above uh, this year's high. Uh, on gold, the outlook from price pattern uh, is is not that clear, but uh, a rally in 2023 still looks quite probable. Uh, but that differs from the like you look at industrial metals like copper. And that certainly looks like it's topped out, and that that and now in a significant downtrend. Uh, and that would be consistent with a slowing global economy. Well, the clock says we're going to have to leave it there. My guest today has been Mr. Murray Gunn. Murray is an analyst with Elliott Wave International. The website is elliottwave.com. There is a free book resource available there I would encourage you to take advantage of. Uh, Murray, always a pleasure to catch up with you and get your perspective. Thank you for joining us today. I would love to have you back down the road. Many thanks, Dennis. It's been a pleasure as always. We will return after these words. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. And thanks again to my special guest, Mr. Murray Gunn, for joining me on today's program and offering his perspectives as well. We do have an October special report that is now available. It's titled Anatomy of a Recession, Strategies for the Current Economy. In the report, we talk about the difference between an inventory-driven recession and a debt-driven recession. I'll talk about, in the report, what often happens to financial asset prices during a debt-driven recession, like the one I believe we are in now. I'll talk about that more in this segment, and I'll also give you some strategies to consider presently. In addition to the report, I'll send you a couple copies of my best-selling books including revenue sourcing and the little black book on social security that will help you maximize your social security. You'll get the report, both books, as well as a couple recent client-only newsletters. All you need to do to get all this free information is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to send it, and I'll be glad to do that for you. Again, the website, requestyourreport.com. In the last segment, I talked about the fact that it's my belief that inflation cannot be brought under control until we have real positive interest rates. And now if we use some of the alternate inflation calculation sites that are out there, and these sites typically track the inflation rate the way the inflation rate was calculated by the government pre-1980, we now have official inflation somewhere in the teens. Officially, it's around 9%. So the conclusion here is, and I bring this up for context, if inflation cannot be brought under control unless interest rates are increased to levels that will bankrupt much of the economy, don't we have to conclude that inflation will not be brought under control? And I believe that as the economy moves into a deeper recession, the Fed will reverse course likely, and they will once again support the economy via lower interest rates and more currency creation. Now, these efforts, I believe, will ultimately fail. And I say that for many reasons, but this big reason, this primary reason, the real problem in the economy today is excessive debt. When you create currency, it only makes the debt problem worse because today's currency is debt. 
Ever since 1971, when then-President Richard Nixon eliminated the link between the dollar and gold, at that point, the dollar was no longer directly redeemable for gold at a fixed rate. At that point, money was loaned into existence. So if you create more currency, you're creating more debt, and you can't solve a debt problem by creating more debt. Now, Egon von Greyerts of Matterhorn Capital, whose work uh, I admire and read, said this. He said the current stock market crash has the potential to extend to a 30% fall in the next few weeks on the way to a 90% fall in the coming years. He said in his working lifetime over the last 50 years, he's seen the official U.S. inflation rate go from 5% to 15%, down to negative, and now back up to 9%. He said for over 10 years, the Fed tried to get inflation up to 2% and failed, and now it's 9% and rising, and they'll have zero chance to get it down to 2% for years. He quoted. Thomas Jefferson, as I often do, Jefferson said, inflation will precede deflation. And I believe that's where we're headed. And again, this month's special report will give you some strategies to consider for your situation. And again, to request that report, if you're just joining me along with the bonus information, visit requestyourreport.com. When we talk about stocks in the February 2022 special report, I noted that stocks appeared ready to begin a decline. Now, if you received the February special report, you can go back and take a look at it. But in that report, I, I referred to two different stock market valuation measures. One is the Schiller price earnings ratio. And I noted that that ratio was pushing 40, which exceeded by about a third, about 33%, the level of 30 in 1929, when we saw a 90% decline in the value of stocks. The second indicator that I looked at was an indicator that is now often referred to as the Buffett indicator. The Buffett indicator simply takes the total value of stocks, the total market capitalization of stocks, and divides by gross domestic product. Now, even after the decline that we have seen in the market this year of way more than 20%, the Buffett indicator has stocks still being more overvalued today than they were at the time of the financial crisis and at the time that the tech stock bubble became unwound or started to, started to unwind, I should say. So the Buffett indicator is extremely elevated. And keep in mind, the denominator of that fraction, gross domestic product, is declining. So I think that my forecast for stagflation moving ahead appears to be on track. That's why I would invite you to get the October special report, Anatomy of a Recession, Strategies for the Current Economy. Just visit the website, requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail that report, as well as the bonus information. And again, you'll get a copy of the Social Security Maximization book and the Revenue Sourcing book, as well as the report and current client newsletters. So again, that's requestyourreport.com.
That's all the time I have for this week. Hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week.